Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Joined by Jihei Wiley, Armani Buckets. Jihei, how are you doing, my friend? I mean, I couldn't be happier. Duke football beating Clemson? <laughs> Are you right. kidding me? That's Are right. you kidding me? I I mean, I knew we had a great quarterback, and I knew we had a great coach, but, man, like, that running game was incredible. I am ecstatic. This Tuesday is awesome. How about everybody else? Harmony Buckets, I did not I- imagine G. Hay to be doing Duke football smack talk, but this is where we are. And, by the way, kudos to them for really dominating Clemson in that second half. And yeah, by the way, GA called it. I gave her some grief. I'm like, are you really excited about Duke football? She should be. Uh, Did you watch that game? Yes, I did. She did warn us. Kudos to you, GA. Congratulations. And by the way, I don't want to look ahead too far. Duke's next three games are very easy. They could be 4-0 heading into a home game against Notre Dame on September 30th. Jihei, wow, Duke football is about to be on the map, huh? Uh, I mean, let's not go crazy. I'm being realistic on Duke football. I mean, it's not like they're going to win the ACC. I mean, Florida State dominated LSU. So, that, you know, I, I don't think that that's going to be really – if we end up 4-0 right now in the like in the next three weeks, awesome, great. I'll be ecstatic. Good for Duke football. Um, I I just don't I don't think we're gonna win the ACC though. And if we do, oh my gosh, I'll be so. I, I'm always a fan of like proving me wrong. Please prove me wrong if it's in that direction. So um, I still think that maybe pump the brakes um, on Duke football, not thinking that you know it's gonna be Duke basketball anytime soon. But uh, I'm so excited for him. Because, I mean, ACC Coach of the Year last year, uh, we have a, a pro-style quarterback. Uh, and so I, I'm excited, but I, I don't know if we're going to compete for the ACC or even a chance to, like, you know, win a national title by any means. But it was great to see that upset. And, by the way, that was the first time since 1989 wow. that Duke has beat a ranked team in the season opener. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's an incredible feat for that team. Um, and I love that our quarterback asked permission from his uh, – because <laughs> over there it's, it's midnight, right? Like the game ended around midnight. Yeah. Um, he asked his – I don't know if anybody saw his post-game interview, but he asked his, his uh, teacher if he can turn in his assignment later, his homework later, because it was due that day. So, yeah, it's on national television if you can ask for. By the uh, way, Jihei, not just in the home, 
not just in the first game of the season, because again, you know, generally sometimes some some uh, teams don't play uh, uh, big time programs the first game of the season. First time right. Duke football has been a top ten team since nineteen eighty nine as well. So you know, it's it's really an incredible accomplishment for the program. Really cool to see the fans storm the field like that. So we'll we'll uh, see how well Duke does. Again, it's kind of fun to see programs that. A, we have not heard about in forever, like Duke football, or have not been good for a while, like Colorado. Big wins uh, against ranked teams to begin the season, and we'll see how they do. Um, Speaking of another uh, team that we've been following for quite some time, um, Team USA. Yes, I did uh, wake up early to watch Team USA earlier uh, this morning, kind of doing what we thought that they would, beating up on Italia. so, Armani Buckets, I'm fairly certain that you woke up for this one because it wasn't 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. or 3. 5, 35, 45, 6 a.m., I can wake up for that. Armani Buckets, what did you think of that win? It was a totally different team than the one that we've seen for the past two weeks. The biggest difference was, remember early in the exhibition games, what we were talking about with Team USA in this version? Arash, it was all about the defense, right? Especially when they first put this team together with Anthony Edwards, with Jaron Jackson Jr., with Mikhail Bridges, even guys like Brandon Ingram. That is their identity, and if they wanted to be good, that was the team that needed to show up. Against Lithuania in the loss, I believe they gave up 105 or 107 points. No matter what happens offensively, that is just unacceptable for this version of Team USA with all the talent they have on that end of the court. And today against Italy, that was their emphasis. You could tell that they were ready to flip a switch. You could tell also that they were kind of annoyed and bothered by all the comments following one loss. There was a great tweet. I don't know if you guys saw Draymond Green's tweet uh, last night before the game against Italy. As I pull it up here, Draymond, you know, he's he's a veteran that's been a part of this program that knows what it's like. He said, looking forward to watching these guys win the World Cup. I know how it feels to be on that island over there all alone and the whole nation flips on you let's rock fellas so that's kind of what you saw is they galvanized together they came together and they used it as fuel and by the way lithuania eliminated so i guess there we go who, who really cares about that loss now they're out serbia won and by the way, can you imagine what that Serbian team is going to look like with Nikola Jokic on it? That oh, That's an amazing. insane group right there. Still not over yet. Still have a tough game against Germany or Latvia, but Team USA looks a lot different today. So play this out. So they advanced to the semifinals, two wins away from winning the gold. As you mentioned, um, either going to play Germany, Germany or Latvia. Um, if they win that game, um, who do you project them to play in the championship game? Oh, in the championship game. Well, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because yeah. I think that the next game will be difficult. Yeah. I don't know what Germany is going to look like. I, I do think that the incident between Schroeder and the coach <laughs> is a bigger deal. than I think so. You know, Latvia is the surprise of the tournament. They play really, really good team basketball. Another team, by the way, they're missing Kristaps Porzingis. All these European nations like Serbia, Greece, Latvia, France, missing Joel Embiid. 
a lot of different guys, a lot of superstars are missing in action. But um, let's not forget, Germany-USA played two weeks ago in an exhibition game. Germany had a 16-point lead before Team USA went on that huge run late in the game to come back and win. Germany would not be an easy opponent at all. They have to lock in just like they did defensively today. I will say, I'm not really scared of Luka and Slovenia. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like they can stop him. Um, and then Canada is also very one-man dominant with Shea. Yeah. So, you know, if you get past Germany or Latvia, you could be looking at either a Serbian team that's pretty well-rounded or Luka versus Shea. I think Team USA is in a great position now. It was interesting, though, that, you know, like when they lose one game. And again, I, re- I remember this happening at the Olympics as well when they didn't look that good at the beginning. And again, when you're, you're, you're Team USA, um, you're not only expected to win, you're expected to blow out teams and then, you know, take it a step further, obviously, when you lose one game. But unless they lose and get eliminated, like we, we, we really have to take take a breath. Um, and again, I remember this happening last year during the Olympics. So I fully expect them to do what we thought that they would do. I think that they go will go on to win the gold. I think you're right. I mean, again, if you haven't seen what happened with Schroeder and the Germany coach, again, this is not like you're on a team. I mean, this could be the last when when they play Wednesday. That 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 could be the last um, time Schroeder plays for this coach. So it's not like a blow up between your coach and a player during the course of a season when you're like, hey guys, we got like six more games and like let's you. You know, let's hunker down and 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 come together. I mean, Schroeder probably doesn't want to have anything to do with this coach. I mean, if you really looked at the way he behaves, and I don't know if this is a, a, an extension of the way uh, practices are, but you know, when you slam the um, the uh, pad down or whatnot, and then you grab Schroeder by the arm like he's a child, like it's going to be hard to come back from that. So whether it's Germany or Latvia, I think USA does win that game. And then I think that they do find a way. And again, I, I do expect these games to be close. I th- think, obviously, the game today, they had something to prove. that They didn't like what they had heard. Uh, but I expect them to win the gold. And I, I don't know if it'll be a blowout. I'm actually hoping for some good games here. But excited to see what I saw from Team USA. Maybe a controversial opinion, but we always talk about how difficult the bubble was. The bubble with, you know, the isolation factor. Obviously, yeah. that... That was a difficult environment, but also being, you know, overseas for weeks at a time in Manila. And by the way, all these other countries were at different locations. Some were in Japan for a little bit. The Team USA has been in that same spot for the whole duration of this tournament. And I think that, you know, you do your sightseeing the first couple days, you go see what there is to see. They're probably pretty bored you know being overseas and kind of you know feel maybe a little bit lonely and whatnot i think all those factors not to give them an excuse but all those factors played a huge role in them kind of waiting for these meaningful games it looked like they were almost waiting to find purpose and now they have flipped the switch the proverbial flip the switch we'll see if they can keep the switch flip but i think that you know this is a different team that we saw today for sure yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, I'm just happy to see this 
run continue as well. Wanted to also talk about the other big story in Los Angeles yesterday, and, and, and it's going to be one that I'm sure we're, we're going to track for some time. The status of Julio Urias. Um, Julio Urias was at the um, LAFC Miami game on Sunday, and following the game, uh, was arrested on domestic violence charges. Again, significant for a, a variety of fronts uh but this is not the first time uh, something like this has happened to julio urias this is in fact uh the second time in three years but he was arrested on felony domestic violence charges late sunday uh the los angeles police confirmed uh the second domestic violence arrest in the past four years excuse me for the uh, soon-to-be free agent picture again he this is uh, the last year of his contract with the dodgers he's just 27 years old but he was arrested just after 11 p.m. on Sunday, booked into jail um, around 1 a.m. and uh, was released on $50,000 bond uh, at 4.47 in the morning. Um, the, the Dodgers are saying, uh, you know, no surprise here, that, they, that he is not on their current road trip. He will be back in Los Angeles, uh, so he will not be with the team. Uh, I, I think it's really fair to assume at this point that he's pitched his last game for the Dodgers when uh, the incident with Julio Urias occurred uh, the first time around four years ago, he was uh, suspended for 20 games. Um, you just have to look at the schedule, where where we're at in the schedule, when he's going to arrive in court. I, I don't think he's due for uh, to to go to court until right before the playoffs. I, I, again, I, I there's 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 no way that Julio Urias will pitch again for the Dodgers uh, this season and him being a free agent this being the second time in four years he's been involved with something like this uh, again there's there is no wiggle room there is there's no I mean generally speaking something like this I I don't believe in second chances I, I am generally a second chance person not when it comes to domestic violence but again this is the second time in four years he's been involved with something like this and that by the way that is the most important thing here of course when you're talking about a pitcher with the Dodgers we cover the Dodgers on the field and just just um you know a tough for them to lose another pitcher. When you look about, when you look at you know Tony Gonsolin, Tommy John surgery, Dustin May, Tommy John surgery, Walker Buehler last year, Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, a bright spot for them is he may uh, come back. Uh, but losing Julio Urias not only for the rest of this season, but, but, but I would be. Um, I think it's fair to say for the rest of his career, uh, just an absolute uh, sad situation, just the doll around. Um, but, gee, I, I guess I just want to start with you. You know, when you hear something like this happen, um, just you, you just shake your head and you think about a player who's 27 years old, uh, like on the field, very talented, recorded the last out, the last out when the Dodgers won that World Series in 2020. But the second time in four years, uh, I I believe he has pitched his last game for the team. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He's definitely pitched his last game for the Dodgers. But I just what boggles my mind when it comes to these cases, and maybe this is just you know something that we just don't know. But how do you like you got a second chance? How do you do it again? Yeah, knowing that you're not going to get away with this. So I that just it just confuses me. It's not you know I mean I'm sure that they have like some issues, you know, him and his personal life and stuff like that, that I don't really want to get into, but you know, I don't want to judge, but 
it's just I that always boggles my mind is that when you do it once and then you get that second chance, how do you not take that second chance and just yeah. realize like you're not going to get away with it again? So that that's it's it's sad. It's just it's sad that this is the way that you're no you know no longer able to be on the team. So um, you know I I hope everything goes well with him and his his personal life and he does well. But I just I don't know. It's just sad. Yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, generally speaking, some guys don't get a second chance. And so he did yeah. get that second chance. And so maybe some, maybe, maybe enough time goes by where you almost forget that you got that second chance. But regardless of that, you know, when you're involved with something with domestic violence, um, and again, I generally when it comes to that, don't believe in second chances, but he did get that second chance. And for him now to, to again, um, find the help that he needs and, and, and to kind of take care of his personal life. That, that, that is sad, regardless of, you know, how his professional uh, life turns just a sad story all around. Um, so the Dodgers are on the road right now, but um, you know, we'll see what um, happens to them on the field. Again, this season's really been incredible. Um, they kind of came back down to life a little bit against the Atlanta Braves, losing three or four games against the Braves, but um, you know, still kind of in that in that picture. Clearly, going to win the division, go, go going away with the division, and favor to at least meet up with the Braves again in the championship series. Um, another interesting story that I, I think a lot of us are, are tracking here is this college football, uh, transfer portal, you know, and, and it came to light again during last night's Clemson Duke game, because Dabo Sweeney was very, very public about saying he doesn't believe in players being played. He doesn't believe in the transfer portal. He doesn't believe in, a lot of things that is really defining how college, not just college football, but really college sports is being done now. And unless Dabo Sweeney changes his ways, uh, and again, this is why I, I believe USC is really primed for success in all sports moving forward, not just in football. Uh, when you are in a position to really lean on the alumni, lean on companies that are run by your alumni, find jobs, find compensation opportunities. Um, now you're kind of in that position of, well, you know, USC is all of a sudden a basketball school again. USC is obviously back to being a football school again because now you can really, above board, have these recruiting trips where they're going to Hollywood. I mean, Caleb Williams is worth millions of dollars now. He's in a new Wendy's commercial. He's in a Celsius commercial. He's in, uh, I think, another commercial, a Dr. Pepper commercial I saw. So, um that's why someone like Caleb Williams, for example, is is in a position, I don't think he'll do this, but he's in a position where if he doesn't like the team that holds the number one pick in the draft, he can kind of say, listen, I'll stay in Pat, I'll stay in Los Angeles, come back to USC, make, um, again, not as much probably as he will make with his professional team, but could be pretty darn close. So, Tarmani Buckets, your thoughts on sort of the new world of college sports here? You have to adapt, and the schools that are not willing to adapt, we're going to see this continue to happen, upsets like this. I mean, Colorado, I know it's a one-game sample size, but they are the blueprint for the new generation of college sports, and 
we haven't even seen, I, I don't think, the tip of the iceberg with this stuff. As this season goes along, I think that's going to be the prevailing narrative is how the, the landscape has shifted. This week, if Colorado goes in at home and just whoops Nebraska, what are people going to start <laughs> to say? I mean, wow. I've heard some people say, oh, it was a one-game fluke. If this continues to be the case, which I think they will destroy Nebraska this week, what 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 are people going to say about, you know, transfer portal and all that stuff? Jihei, real quick, the current state of college sports. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're going to be left in the dust if you don't adjust to this. It, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. And also, it really does behoove your situation to adapt to this. I mean, I think the transfer portal is great, right? I mean, you're not getting any play, like, on both ends. You're not getting any time Um you're sitting on the bench, you're riding the pine. Like, why would you want to stay? Like, go someplace else that's probably going to actually give you that chance. When it comes to Colorado and Nebraska, Colorado and Nebraska game this um, this coming weekend, I think that one game sample size. Like, I think that everybody needs to stop doubting Prime. Yeah. I think it's I think it's time for him to get his, his flowers and respect. I know it's only one game, guys, and I know everybody's going to go like, oh, I can't believe you, but so I bet on that over. And yeah. three and a half game over, and I'm riding it. And I think that Prime can definitely take them there. I mean, he has those expectations too. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by 10-year NBA veteran, one of my all-time favorites, Spencer Haas. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090s of the California, the Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now, one of my all-time favorites, Spencer Ha. Spencer, how are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. So are you splitting time? I mean, I, I'm so lucky that I, I, I get to see you every now and again in the South Bay, but you're a Seattle legend. Do you split time? Uh, not really. We're we're down here every once in a while, but still still primarily uh, up in Seattle. But do love do love when you get the chance to come down here and hang out in the sun and, and hang out by the beach. Spencer, let's start here because we, we talked about it in the first segment, you know, how much college sports has changed. And one of the biggest ways it's changed is really the disintegration of one of the greatest conferences of all time, the Pac-12, as we remember it, but back in the day, the Pac-10. Um, 
crazy enough. I mean, this may be one of the best years for the Pac-12 across the board, football hoops. Um, but just the mismanagement of the conference has really led to the point where teams are trying to find a new home. Thankfully for your Washington Huskies and my USC Trojans, I mean, I think that they found a fantastic home in the Big Ten. But where do you sit as someone who grew up with the Pac-10 played there really again one of the greatest conferences in college sports uh to be gone so quickly well i think it's it's devastating and the way i kind of look at it and, and try and describe it is you know your your head tells you the big 10 is is what you know all of us were kind of forced into whether we liked it or not but that doesn't mean that your heart uh can't feel otherwise and as someone that grew up uh in a pac-12 multi-generational you know, back to the pack eight. Uh, my grandpa was a crew jockey at UW. My dad and my uncle both played there. I had an aunt that hooped at Wazoo. Uh, so it's kind of, I've got it from both sides and, and generations back. And it's always been a point of pride. Uh, I, you know, I've always rooted for, for the pack, whatever teams uh, outside of Oregon in any game they play, especially not, you know, any of the big non-conference games and take pride when, uh, whether whatever sport it is, you know, seeing a seeing a team without logos at the top of uh, the top of whatever competition. So it's it it hurts losing that kind of regional bias, the West Coast bias that uh, no one else seems to have unless they have a connection out here. But it's it's the way it's going. And uh, obviously, SC and UCLA kind of led the charge. And I think by the time it came for us in Oregon to make the jump, uh, there wasn't much of a decision. We were kind of waiting for the the life uh, the life raft to get thrown to us, and, and fortunately, it did before it, it really started to fall apart. USC was looking for an athletic director recently. I, I guess I, I just would love to get your thoughts on Jennifer Cohen. Again, she was at Washington for quite some time. It's it's really kind of a testament to her and the job that 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 she did. That USC said we love what you've done. Um, your thoughts on that hire? Uh, well, disappointed because uh, I I've known Jen going back to my time at UW and, and uh, had a relationship with her you know all the way through. So uh, you know knowing her as a friend and also an athletic director that did a wonderful job for our institution. Um, frustrated but kind of <laughs> kind of figured that day would come you know the rumors had been swirling in the past and as with everything in college sports now it seems like it happens so quickly but excited for her and the opportunity that she has down here and i think um you know i think she's as qualified for anybody as the job and, and uh is going to do a good job just hopefully not too good of a job when it comes <laughs> to a couple times a year we we meet up Spencer, one of the reasons I'm happy that Washington and USC are still in the same conference is that hopefully uh, that tradition, and they, they don't play them every season in Seattle, but it is definitely my favorite tailgating experience right by the water. Um, Husky Stadium is really – it's an incredible experience. It's an incredible campus. For those who have not gone, put into, put into I guess, proper context because Tennessee gets a ton of love for their tailgating, but there's nothing like Seattle. No, Tennessee's. Uh, I've I've not been to Knoxville. I'd love to go catch a game there. But to compare the ability to show up, uh, you know, in Seattle when you can roll up on a hundred foot yacht and, and drop anchor in, in Garbage Bay behind the stadium and then get vesseled in, I think that's about as unique of a, a way to get to any sporting event, maybe outside of like the F one in Monaco. Uh, so on an afternoon like last Saturday, where it's seventy five degrees out and 
you know, everybody's out there in the boat. Some people are getting rides in. Some people are probably swimming in. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And, and unfortunately, I missed the last one, but I will, I'll be there week two and trying to hitchhike a ride on someone's big boat. Spencer, I was out there for the uh, All-Star Game. What an amazing job Seattle did for the MLB All-Star Game. And I had a viral tweet, and I didn't think it would be a viral tweet. I tweeted my lunch one day, and I had a Seattle dog for the first time, which I don't know whether you've had a, a, lo a lot of people who live in Seattle have not had this. This may just be for us tourists. It's a cream cheese, grilled onions on a hot dog. Have you had a Seattle dog before? And if you did, did you love it like I did? Because I actually did really like it a lot. I've had too many that I care to admit. Uh, I don't know that I've ever had one before midnight. Uh, like that, that's stretch and tack. But no, they're fantastic. It, it does at first glance seem like a little bit of an odd pairing, but it works. Spencer, uh, there is a feeling about it's not, it's not, it's it's more when, but not this. That the NBA will expand. Uh, we're on the air in Las Vegas. Vegas. Seems like they they think they're going to get a team. LeBron's been very vocal that I that's the team I want. Not that I want some team somewhere. Like when the the NBA expands to Vegas again, they will expand by two. And there's no doubt with everything that they've done, uh, Seattle will get a, a team back. Talk about how much Seattle's been waiting for this moment because they really embraced the Kraken. The Kraken had an amazing run in the postseason, but that is a basketball town, as you know, the heritage, the history, uh, you know, huge, Jamal Crawford, the Dave Robinson, you can go down the list. Um, how, what that would mean, the day that that actually happens, what will that mean? I mean, it, it's hard to put into words. I, I grew up diehard Sonics fan, uh, going to games with my dad, you know, really when I got older, feeling like, this is something that I want, you know, this is my dream. This is something I think I can go do. And for so many of us, uh, before the Seahawks incredible run that they've had recently, you know, it was a basketball town. I still think it's a basketball town. If, if you ask, you know, people traditionally, like what, what was the biggest show in town going back? It, it was always the Sonics and to have the opportunity after, I mean, we're at 15 years now, it's going to be at least a couple more, but to kind of right that wrong and get a professional, you know, NBA franchise back in a place that it had a uh, successful four decade run. I think it, it'll bring closure to that era. Um, we thought we were there in, in 2012 <laughs> or 13 with the Kings. Uh, obviously they did an incredible job um, building a, a remarkable downtown arena that's revitalized that area and saved their franchise in. Um, you know, selfishly, that was what everyone was hoping for in Seattle. But I think uh, the ability to do it through expansion and not have to take someone else's team and break another city and fan base, break all their hearts. I think everyone would prefer that. It's just we're hoping it's sooner than later. But we've waited this long. And when the day finally comes, you know, if the Kraken sold out in 12 minutes, I think uh, <laughs> I think the Sonics tickets will probably just break the server before we get to about 12 seconds. <laughs> Spencer, thank you again so much for joining us. I wanted to talk about your play style when you played. You, to me, were one of the kind of originators of the stretch five position, right? Now that you watch basketball today and you see all the, the spacing, especially from big men, do you? how do you think the game has evolved in, in that respect from big men shooting? Do you ever think about, you know... Now, if you were if you were to be in the league, how how your position has changed so dramatically? 
Yeah, I think about I missed my window by about five years. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's great to see and and everyone gets caught up in the stretch five and and guys can shoot. I think it's just it, it's deeper than that. It's been a uh, a kind of collective uh, decision or w- however you want to describe it by front offices, coaches, etc. To allow centers and big men to to show off their entire skill set and not just have to be back to the basket and be stuck in the post and here come set a pick and roll but roll because we want you to be a decoy because there have been a lot of skilled bigs it's not like guys that could pass and handle and shoot just started popping up in the last 10 or 15 years there have been a ton of guys seven footers all going back that have had that skill set that you just weren't really uh allowed or encouraged to express it out there and now the opening up of the game is allowing for guys and whether they're from here or especially the international bigs to to really show off the full package of, of being able to be a playmaker and not just uh, the guy in the middle kind of hanging out by the hoop. Spencer, it's great to see you um, uh, w- once again back in the South Bay, back in L.A. for um, as little time as we have you here. Um, I want to talk to you about um, NIL and the transfer portal um, just how it's changed the game and how um, uh, do you think it's a positive thing a negative thing? Um, and how would you have taken advantage of it um, when back when you were playing? Ooh, I wouldn't have had to uh, <laughs> go begging my parents for so many, so many advances on my allowance. Uh, no, I think it's, I don't think it's, I think like most things, it's, it's not black and white. I think overall it, it's a positive benefit. Um, I'm always going to be, bias to the side of the athlete but as you get further away from that you kind of your fan hat creeps on more and more every year you get a little older a little grumpier and i think the bigger issue the nil i have no problem with with kids being able to take advantage of uh you know their position their star whatever you want to call it but uh the ability for kids to essentially be unrestricted free agents every single year I don't think is, I know it's not good for the school, for the institution. I don't think it's good for the, for the individual because whether it's, uh, you know, the grass being greener on the other side or things aren't going my way, you, you don't learn any lessons when you can always just bail to a new opportunity and, and not have any repercussions. So I think the bigger issue in college sports right now is just the free reign on being able to transfer and obviously a lot of that is impacted by the nil opportunities and you know you have a good year at a smaller school and someone comes knocking with with twice or five times the resources up the ladder so i don't i'm not going to pretend to know what the solution is but uh the ability for a kid every year to basically go back and say all right i had a bad year i'm not going to stick it out and and focus on what i need to do i'm out or i had a good year i'm going to hold you hostage and say if you don't triple my NIL compensation, I'm going down the river. I think that's where we have to come to a better solution for not only the you know, not only the benefit of the institutions, but more importantly for the student athletes themselves, because they're the ones that get forgotten in, in all this conference realignment and everything else. It's like, what, what happens when the SC soccer team has to fly to uh, Penn state for a game in March? You know, that's, it, it's one thing if you're chartering and you're going for once a week for football, four or five times a year. But when you talk about some of the Olympic sports and, and the non-revenue sports, uh, that experience is really going to shift for those athletes, for their families, their ability to watch their, their family members play and, and support them. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's a, 
a, a solution that I'm glad I don't have to find. <laughs> this is the one uh, season that, that I got to cover you, and the reason that you're one of my favorites was uh, Clippers. You're, you're with the Clippers 2014-2015. At the end of that season, I was on that beat for five years, and I said, I can't do it anymore. Uh, these guys don't like each other, and I don't like covering this team. Like Every now and again, you'll, you'll hear Doc on a podcast, or Blake, or Chris, or JJ, Talk about why that team couldn't win. Um, and it was, I, I just think that they had kind of hit their ceiling and that Houston series loss was just, um, it was just tough. From, from your one season with the team, what can, what, what can you say about, again, a, an amazing collection of talent, you know, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, JJ, Matt, yourself. What was the reason that team could not win? I, you brought up uh, something that still stings me every time I think about it in that Houston series. Yeah. And, you know, I, obviously no one knows what, what would have happened. I think, you know, had we not tricked that off in such a historic manner, I would have loved to have had the opportunity to play the Warriors because we, you know, that was, that was before teams had really transitioned into everyone trying to play like the Warriors. You know, there was a little more uh, variety in the styles of play. And I think, Obviously, we were looking ahead uh, to that series a lot more than we should have been before we took care of business versus Houston. But I, I still kick myself that, you know, we wouldn't have been able to see what would have happened in that uh, Western Conference Finals. But I think I hate everyone kind of going back and forth arguing on, you know, Doc says something and then a couple guys have to come back and subtweet it. And, you know, everyone's kind of be beating around the bush. It's like it was, what, eight or nine years ago now. But yeah. it. I'd still, I think that that team, and I was only on the team for a year, but the core um, that was that was here for four or five years that that had you know that was so close but never got over the over the edge. I think the one the one thing you have to point to is the Warriors, and that's just yeah. you know if you go back there, I'm sure there are a lot of great teams in the mid '90s that, except for those couple of years Jordan was out, you never knew what they would become. So I think that's one thing you point to, and then just not not having the ability to to take advantage of the opportunity in front of you and that obviously that Houston series was a perfect example of uh kind of putting the cart ahead of the horse and because it, it was a lot of big personalities but I I think the chemistry was a lot better than the narrative was then and especially uh, the way it's going now people looking back like everyone hated each other there was no I mean it was one of the most connected teams I was ever on you just had a lot of uh big personalities and, and big time talent that um, you're trying to make work together. One more question about that team. Doc gets a lot of grief. And again, as a member of the media, there's no one that we like more than Doc. Cause again, he's, he's just great with the press. And now he's on that side again for at least a year. Um, the knock on him, as you know, is, you know, he's lost these leads a few times, you know, with, with Kawhi and Paul George in the bubble, they had a three, one lead several times. He's had a two, one lead. Is there a, and again, you were on the team only for a year, but is there a connective string? Is there something that he can't close out, I guess? I I mean, I think there's there's a disturbing trend of it. Um, you know, I think Doc is is very as a coach, is very loyal to uh his system and his guys that, you know, that are in the rotation that got him there. And I think uh I think that's something that's kind of changing with this new generation of coaches where uh you know, there's a lot more rotations change during the playoffs, strategies change. All right, this is working for us. I think um, 
I think that's something that, you know, it's, it's gotten him a long way, but also at the end of the day, it can kind of come back and bite him when, when you have that rigidity with, uh, with the game plan or the, or the rotations or what have you. Last couple of questions here. I mean, I, I think a lot of players uh, who may be thinking about a future in, in coaching may have to think twice. I mean, when you look at how quickly teams pull the plug, you know, you 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 have the last few championship coaches outside of Steve Kerr have lost their uh, job. And it's one of those things that if you just have one bad season, how much is that, uh, just generally speaking, is a coach often a scapegoat when you're looking at Mike Budenholzer or Frank Vogel, or you, you go down the list. I mean, the, the last handful of NBA championship coaches, they have one bad season and then they are gone. Yeah. And you want to feel sorry for them, but then you realize they get paid out on when they get fired <laughs> yeah. and then they double dip, they double dip when they get recycled and end up where they, wherever they go next. So I think it's just the nature of the business. I don't, I don't know what it is about basketball that seems to lend that, uh, you know, that turnover more so than some of the other sports. You, you look at like baseball managers and you're like, God, that guy's been there since I was a kid and I haven't seen him in the playoffs in a while. So I don't know what it is about hoops um, that, that kind of trend that, that makes that trend the way that it does, but it is, you know, it's, it's definitely a, what have you done for me lately league? And, uh, and the thing that I like is finally, it seems like they're starting to try and identify younger coaches and, uh, you know, European coaches like the situation in Toronto now where it isn't just the same old uh, kind of musical chairs of, all right, this guy gets fired here. He's going to get a job there. We're going to switch these two. I love that there's some new blood breaking in and and kind of changing uh, the face of the game. And, and I think we'll only continue to accelerate the evolution of the style of play, bringing in um, guys with different backgrounds and, and different specialties. Well, last question for you. I, I know you've you've done some broadcasting, other stuff. I mean, Spencer, you're you're one of the best. Where can folks keep up with you? Are you on social media? Are what what are you up to these days, my friend? I'm just I'm pretty low key these days. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not doing anything uh, too serious on the media front. But yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, just getting into some real estate investment development stuff up in Seattle, and and kind of just. Uh, stepped away for a while from from hoops and sports and now kind of getting the itch to try and get a little more involved, but just uh, kind of enjoying the, the slower pace of life and, and retirement. I love it. And by the way, if you guys have not seen, Spencer Hawes had the greatest Christmas Day outfit in the history of the uh, story Christmas Day game. Uh, I don't even want to describe it. You have to look at it. It was uh, the, the best. And so, Spencer, that's why you're one of my favorites. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, we'll have to catch up soon. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.